Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mebhi Muslim. I'm Mariam Heather, producer and host of the podcast, and I'm joyous to share this year's last episode with the spirited and incredible human being, Sabika Basnakwi. Sabika is a poet, organizer, SEL educator, and storyteller. Her work revolves around issues of gender, minority rights, and justice. She performs in public spaces, edits anthologies, translates, and is constantly working on at least five dreamy or nonsensical side projects. If not for her work, she would be a full-time stand-up comic or leading a cult of doing nothing. After working with Change.org and Fearless Collective, Sabika is currently the organizing and campaigns lead at Noor. In this episode, Sabika takes us down her memory lane, growing up in a mosque complex in Lucknow, how her Muslim upbringing has shaped her view of life and helped in using her voice against injustice and oppression. We discuss her journey being a poet performing on the streets and how her poems belong to the people and the streets she shares them with. Sabika also talks about the current realities of Indian Muslims and the constant reconciliations one does when the country one is born in and belongs to denies one acceptance and protection. Finally, we talk about love of all kinds, how kindred friendships keep our hearts and souls warm, ending with a beautiful poem by Sabika talking about what being a lover means to her in current times. This episode is recorded to commemorate and celebrate the anniversary of the 2019 Shaheen Bagh protest led by Indian Muslim women. Do give this episode a listen, share it within your circles and loved ones, and recognize your part in standing up for justice and liberation for all. Hey, Sabika. Welcome to Mebhi Muslim. It is such a privilege and uh, just so happy to finally have you on the podcast. Hello, Adab, Mariam. It has been uh, incredible that I am here. I feel honored. I have heard every single podcast of yours and uh, really love it. And I think it's, um, I, I can't believe you invited me. <laughs> I have to tell this to you and I shared this with you earlier as well that there have been moments in the journey of maybe Muslim where I tell people that I started this with my uh, co-host Sabika and the first thing they say, oh, Sabika Basnakwi. And I remind them that Sabika Muzaffar was the co-host. However, that is such a beautiful way of putting it because people can associate maybe Muslim and Sabika in that vein. And it's just an acknowledgement of all the work you've been doing. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for being a spirit of MBM, even before you are the, you got became the guest. Thank you. Thank you. It, it's an honor. Okay. So I want to first ask you, like, how have you been? Um, we are recording this podcast at a time where the world appears to be, it's kind of turned on its head. Um, and then think in terms of... Uh, just being alive in this moment seems like strange. And also we are coming to the third anniversary of the Shaheen Bagh protest and the sit-in movement. And you were a part of the Shaheen Bagh protest. You um, shared your work. You brought to light a lot of um, resonance of how women were just 
sitting and making themselves seen and heard. Um, so can you share a bit about that and uh, we'll go from there. Um, I mean, the fact that uh, I don't think I've combed my hair in <laughs> so many days because just completely shattered at what is happening and even more shattered at the helplessness. Um, full and absolute solidarity to the people of uh, Philistine and their right to self-determination and the right to self-determination to people across the world anyway. Um, uh, it just is ridiculous how the world is watching and people of Gaza are being buried under rubble, are being killed. And I don't know, like it is becoming difficult to breathe, difficult to... Uh, I have colleagues, friends um, who are uh, Palestinians and I've, I absolutely do not know, um, you know, how to uh, support or what to say, you know, because it's just such, such a terrible time. And what is even worse is how all of this is being used in, um, uh, uh, is being cheered on by the world. And even more so in India, because this situation is being used to um, weaponize against Muslims in India in a big way. Uh, Konal Parohit's report in um, uh, recently uh, showed how uh, there is how WhatsApp groups and different channels of the right wing are using this situation to ignite even more Islamophobia in our country. And it is just people we know, like people of our country are cheering on this genocide, a country that has a history of um, um, colonialism that fought to be free, fought for self-determination. The people of that country are um, actually supporting a genocidal colonist occupying um, state, uh, I mean, Israel, and which is um, heartbreaking and dangerous at the same time because it is clear that when our houses will be burnt, these, will, these folks will continue cheering. There's no stopping to that. Um, in terms of Shaheen Bagh, a movement that was completely and absolutely led by incredible Muslim women um, and a movement that is a big, big um, missile, as we call it, for generations to come. Uh, Muslim women out there on the streets, Muslim women uh, with care and incredible articulation, talking to the world, talking to the media, Muslim women um, fighting for their rights, Muslim women occupying the streets, Muslim women um, singing together, crying together, laughing together, organizing together, standing in protests together, uh, Muslim women drawing posters together, raising slogans together, um, listening to poetry together, reading out poems together, um, uh, Muslim women uh, being um, uh, so vocal, thereby tarnishing and completely destroying the kind of um, um, uh, image that the Hindutva right wanted to create for us, uh, that they wanted to be those knights in shining armor on like 
white horses coming to save the Muslim woman. That has always been their narrative. Whereas the women of Shaheen Bagh um, and the multiple Shaheen Baghs across the country with their loud voices, with their fantastic and fabulous presence on those streets, with their powerful care and kindness and empathy that they brought on uh, onto the streets um, and the narrative that they were able to build um, uh, completely thwarted that image. And now we are the villains for them. Uh, they are scared of us. They are scared of Muslim women. They are scared that we will speak up. They are scared. And that is the reason why they've kept um, uh, Muslim women behind bars and so many Muslim women have cases in them. I mean... Um, Look at um, um, Gulfisha. I mean, we, we must take a moment to think about the fact that she's still behind bars and she has not gotten bail. And, and also all the men. I mean, I'm not... Um, uh, uh, Umar is behind bars still. There's Khalid Sefi by behind bars still. And it's just like a... Uh, they're just so scared. They're just so scared that we will... That we have so much incredible capacity to organize and to love. Every single person that you speak to would say that that space of Shaheen Bagh, yes, was a space of resistance. Yes, was a space where we were fighting back. Yes, was a space of occupying the streets to talk about the kind of discrimination that we've been facing. But yes, it was a space of so much of care. I'll tell you, I was in Delhi far away from my family in Lucknow. And my family was, um, they were here in this city being on, being part of the protest and the sit-in. And um, I was, the city made me feel alienated. During all of the CAN, anti-CNRC movement and the city made me feel that I did not belong. And ultimately the only place where I felt at home was women who were like my mothers, like my sisters, like my family, just to be there, just to sit there, just to, you know, have those shoulders to hold on to, hands to hold on to, sit and talk, like even if to drink chai, you know, just just to talk, just uh, uh, to listen, to uh, listen to, uh, it was as if I was with my family. That is, during that time, Shaheen Bagh um, was the only place where, a lot of us felt home, or the only place where we felt that we actually belonged because the city, it felt as if the city wanted to vomit us out. Um, and uh, we found so much of embrace, so much of love, and so much of friendship and solidarity, this feeling that we're not alone. Um, and I think uh, these women who've already been out on the streets, they, uh, if anyone, um, if anyone ever thinks that we are going to come back and continue with the uh, uh, the kind of uh, burdens that we were put through. That's not happening. Like it's just there is another revolution that is happening when women um, come back into their homes. Uh, when the women, you know, start occupying other spaces. There's so many women from Shaheen Bagh who have gone on to take up political roles and fight for uh, elections at municipal levels, at different levels, or start multiple collectives. You know, there's there's the the movement hasn't hasn't ended. It has just um, taken newer shape. It has meandered into more different different shapes and like become larger in its own way, larger in its own capacity. And and also to mention the kind of allyship that uh, Shaheen Bagh got. Uh, and when I say Shaheen Bagh, I mean all the Shaheen Baghs across the country uh, got. It was uh, it was so welcoming to allies. I mean. 
that is a burden that we bore that anyone who came to show allyship also saw our love and kindness and there were few people who came but but whoever came saw um uh, the kind of love that we had and the kind of kindness that we bore and um uh, the 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 bare minimum kind of allyship was also met with the loudest cheer uh, that is what our community together was able to achieve um um and how everyone contributed to it men women children uh i remember one incident from shahin bhai was like the first day when we were there when we had entered when it all started there was these uh, we had some paint with us and we thought we'll make a nook with children and and so uh, the children the, a child um who 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 just took a red paint from the paint brush and there was this i don't know why i always imagine children to you know be painting um like a scenery whenever as a child i would pick up a, a a pencil or a brush i would just you know draw those the traditional scenery like the mountain and the half sun smiling and like a river coming out and like two palm trees whatever uh, a kind of a scenery or something that the child would draw but the child picks up the paint and writes no ca no nrc and i it broke my heart it, it gave me so much of confidence that we have a generation that is talking about all of this and is aware but also it broke my heart because i felt that you know how our children the children of our community have been completely deprived of um uh, are being completely deprived of their dreams in so many ways uh, they they have they have to fight all of these i mean they don't have to fight fight but they're in the middle of this this resistance movement this resistance spaces and we're very proud that our um, children are participating in this but at the same time the fact that no we shouldn't our children shouldn't have to take to the streets to fight for equal rights they shouldn't have to be um out there saying that do not discriminate against us in schools uh they shouldn't be feeling small and occupying less space our children children should be allowed to exist largely and and wholly and fully and bigly um and always be um uh, treated equally and have exactly the same chances of uh, fulfilling their dreams and aspirations as everyone else but uh we are met with discrimination we are met with um resistance and you know this is this was the fight for our wujud uh, shahin bagh was is a fight for our wujud i'll always talk about it in the present present tense because even though the sit and doesn't continue the resistance continues every single day in different capacities in different ways and it will continue inshallah till the time uh hate is completely uh, uh, that, like destroyed and love is what what stays equality and justice is what's what stays till the time we all get justice till the time all the innocents behind bars are released till the time we have equal rights equal access we are treated as equal citizens till then um shahin bagh will continue in different forms um in our hearts in our minds and in our methods that's so beautifully put um i was listening to everything you were saying and there are so many threads that come out from what you just shared and i think what i really picked up on is when you talked about the children and the kind of fight and the kind of resistance they have to the muscles they have to build at a time when we could be 
having other dreams and we could be having other aspirations um and children could be imagining sceneries and enjoying them on um what i have also um you know found sabika because these thoughts and these emotions have been a part of my sort of landscape as well emotional landscape as well is that after having this feeling that oh the amount of resistance we have to live and the amount of resistance we have to build in the generations i also see the scope of how big their world is when as they grow up how big their hearts are as they grow up how much compassion how much love how much depth um of this life they are carrying at such a young age and that for me is the is the hope that i constantly envision and the kind of hope i i also build and i try to channel that to recognize that this world carries so much discrimination towards some people the weight it imposes on so many others helps us recognize the amount of um joy and celebration we can offer to this world because we resist because we choose to find compassion empathy solidarity allyship and we will constantly do that it's part of the is part of the awakening that the younger generation is and and that's that's the that for me is just um unbelievably beautiful yeah yeah i hope and pray and i'm sure that the way our children are brought up uh, their iman their belief is always to be on the right side of history wherever whoever irrespective of identities is being discriminated against or um is being um uh, you know marginalized in any way i hope and pray that our children are the ones whose voices are the loudest because they've gone through it their voices are the loudest and they are at the front line always speaking up against injustice because that's what our iman is that that's what our whole wujud is our whole identity is deeply rooted and as someone who's who's um who derives a lot from um uh, the battle of uh, who derives a lot from karbala and what unfolded before and after karbala i feel that our identity of siding with the um the uh, marginalized is and to grieve um using grief as a form of resistance using um and and to be able to see that there is there are no two sides you cannot stand in the middle there is no the idea of neutrality doesn't exist should not exist for our children like they should know that irrespective of anything what is most essential is that we don't come out of bitter we are more kind what went on us we should not ever subject this on someone else but at the same time as i said have the loudest voice and i'm so proud and sure that our children till whenever they are in this world as they explore their voice against injustice will always be the loudest in shall um you know sabika that takes me to another aspect of your childhood i want to understand and you know it's something we um i often talk about because it's it's a it's from the place that i started understanding this idea of what is this muslim identity that that i come from so i want like i'm more curious like when do you have those memories when you understood you carried a muslim identity um and can you share some bit of that i actually grew up in a mosque compound um in a tiny house in the old city 
um we had like clean roofs and um a very 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 uh, come from a very very working class background um uh like we were we all we all like i still do i come from that background and now that i have acquired a lot of privilege but um but it was it is it can and we still continue to live there in the same space i still am talking to you from that compound and from that tiny house um as there's a mosque and we have like three four houses around it and if you've seen mosque compounds anywhere in old lucknow they're just like uh it's like a mohalla where um everyone is um a mazdoor someone has a small shop someone sells um something on the streets um uh someone would have like a one room beauty parlor uh, my father used to be um um used to work in the uh, like he used to be a lineman and so that that i mean um things change of course over time but uh like this this space of um so much of hard work and so much of love and so much of celebration so we had we we food was a big thing if 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 something was cooked in my house and i didn't like i would just walk over to the house right in front of me and i remember there was auntie dadda we called her auntie dadda and she used to she used to cook on this she had a little uh, table which was a kitchen and on her table she had this little stove and because it was difficult for her to walk she would sit on that table to cook on the side she would cook rotis and and uh, i um and we would just sit on little bricks laid out on the floor and sit and wait for her to give us a nice roti and she made nice beggan ka bharta whatever um the same way like this is how it always was and my um uh so i grew up in a very 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 um believing household um uh till today the practice of like to offer namaz is as a form of um our day like we still talk i still talk about my day as maghrib ke baad maghrib se pehle i still say that acha asr ke baad mulaqat karenge so it's it's our day is still divided according to prayers so uh to say that how i positively understood what my muslim identity was in the same way right outside the mosque we had this whole lane of um different people uh, living uh, um of multiple um uh, belief systems we had so many we had subhash chacha and um other folks living over there and we we were just uh, they were also like family they still continue to be there was so much of interaction and love and um uh there was always you know um uh, but we but but not me i was born much after the babri masjid um incident happened riots uh, broke out and all of those things and i did grow up in a background because we were all like born in 1993 1994 five that time we were brought up with this whole we were not there to witness but we were brought up with a memory of all that had happened and so we were aware of what had happened and all uh, the kind of attacks that we had faced and what we went through and what we went through as a community but but all of those things but by the time i was growing up uh, those things were quite it not resolved per se but at least under the carpet and people were living more um, affectionately around this time how i was able the first time i ever felt discrimination was when i was four and a half years old and i trust me i barely have much of the memory of my childhood or whatever like you just forget or uh, 
you know but some things remain edged like good and bad they remain edged in your minds and uh i remember one of my friends who um comes from a uh, 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 and i was like a, i was a not lower like lower preparatory like just a four year old kid and um that year uh, i was returning from school on a rickshaw we used to go in a rickshaw and um i had this friend and she she was like no please come home please come home so i came home to her home the rickshaw stopped and i and en- i entered the home and i was um, made to keep my bag outside the house because my bag has my tiffin and i'm my food is impure and <laughs> i make jokes out of it and it doesn't really like um but imagine a four year old being told that your bag is impure uh that you are allowed to enter only till this part of the house not further and um i mean as a kid i was like yeah whatever i'll play and go but um that stuck that stuck every time i was not given a house because i was a muslim to rent or uh, that memory came back um i um came home and told my parents and what not and we continued having very cordial relationships with that family but my parents uh, but i never went to their house again because i was just so i never felt like because i was just so like um shattered at the fact that, uh, that you know like as, as a child i don't didn't know it was discrimination as such but i just felt terrible i just i was like why are they making me do this i just i was not able to understand and it was so bad i was not able to decipher and that stuck with me i was in pune and for many months i could did not get a house because i'm a muslim um i would go see my brother when he went to study he was refused a house because he was a muslim and that happens with us on a regular regular basis i'm not the only one trust me if i talk to anyone who works outside the city outside their own home uh you ask them and they will say oh yeah yeah if they have not faced they'll definitely know at least two to three people who have faced discrimination while finding houses so yeah i was made aware of my muslim identity in the form of discrimination then but in the form of a positive association with my identity was always this the kindness the love and also grief i think um muharram was a very very labile growing up as a little kid i think before reading or anything one thing i learned to do was recite nahas and um uh so for me uh the black clothes the where the the community grief the majlis the marcia all of us coming together and crying together and talking about injustice and and um lamenting and mourning and and mourning in a community and those julus that were uh taken taken out and that seriousness of that place i think it grounded me as a muslim in so many ways i think whatever i am whatever poetry that i am able to do whatever belief system that i have i derive from that uh you know and that identity i would always hold on to because it is it has taught me whatever whatever i am comes from that identity comes from those belief systems and um uh i was able to see how grief is a tool for um resistance how occupying spaces is how grieving with the community makes your heart a little lighter 
um how um how the community comes together in these times and all of those things like i um just the preparation of it and and how it was executed and and uh, um you know so i did like the identity of the fact that i am muslim but it wasn't an identity where i thought that i'm a muslim hence discrimination would come to me at that time you know not that islamophobia didn't exist you know i always call it quote unquote cute islamophobia uh cute being a very very trivial term but always existed i mean who did not who did not while growing up in our schools oh yes i know we've had conversations about terrorism and like um uh, we were told that but but all of you are terrorists all those things have always come up and we've faced discrimination things like i was always told oh but you do this but do your parents allow because they must be really conservative this idea that muslim parents are absolutely always conservative which is so ridiculous i um it is just whatever like this discrimination i mean people are conservative irrespective of whatever belief system they come from um uh, or religion that they come from but this specifically associated that muslim women are you know completely in fact i have seen uh, more muslim like i've seen muslim women around me being so economically independent from running small shops to beauty parlors to you know doing embroidery my mother herself i mean right now uh, my uh, now my father retired as an engineer and my uh, mother is a lecturer but before that uh, uh, during uh, summers my mom would make embroidery to earn money like mukesh to earn money and so um this this independence of muslim women that i have seen while growing up this this um uh, muslim women making chicken curry muslim women making arees or dozi muslim women so i've always had a very very and studying at the same time and getting degrees at the same time and looking for jobs i've always i've been surrounded by these women who um and so for me um i always saw uh i always saw this progressiveness i mean sure there might not have been money and like like rich uh etc but uh, uh, sure our class was different than uh, everyone else but uh, but we were so progressive and so we still are and and um uh, such independent uh, women women who were um, you know so powerful and so loud and so occupying spaces and it was always um, a thing so i think uh, we always face that kind of discrimination but i always but there was no i was not afraid that they'll come and burn my house down you know or bulldoze my house down so there was islamophobia but not to the point where i would not want to dream i i would be afraid now that i am at a position where i might be able to buy a land but i'm like but what if this country doesn't want me it's is just it's earlier i never thought that my country would not want me but maybe i was a child and i did not see all of those things but as i'm growing up uh, it's even more clear that our country doesn't love us back even if we love it we love it from the core of our hearts um our fellow citizens seem to be blood hungry for us so yeah it existed but um now it is becoming even more i mean our kids uh, i know my cousins kids who have uh, faced discrimination in school their classmates little tiny boys and girls have called out names to uh them call them terrorists call them uh, impure call them traitors call them gaddars and what not um uh that to the point that some of our children are afraid uh, coming forward and saying could you remove this tavis because 
um they say that they don't want to play with me because i'm a muslim or they won't want to come to my house because i'm a muslim things like that so it's just uh becoming more of a reality but for us for me uh i think uh, all the kindness all the love all the support all the voice or power that i have uh to speak up against injustice all the work that i'm doing all the groundedness if that's a word that i have is all from my identity as a muslim yeah if i may say even when if i have i mean i'm not a huge fan of discipline but whatever little that I um i am you know when you were sharing all of this i had memories coming through my mind like of that discrimination very similar kinds of discrimination having happened at a very young age and i you're right like you don't know the word discrimination but you feel it you feel like suddenly because you just have a name that is not the same because i grew up in a um in a sikh neighborhood um and actually i've i've had some beautiful relationships with sikh families um but in my school i had like similar episodes and i was very young um and you know i when you said when you said that you can and you even if you want to buy a house you know you don't know it it it's just something that i feel a lot of us have in our minds that how do you choose and be a patriot a lover for the country that you go because it's it's a, it's a it's a non like it's it's a it's a very obvious answer like you grew up in india like indian identity and the indianness is so rooted um in us that we never thought that it would not could not be the case or that somebody would just say that oh you don't we need to question and you need to prove um and yeah i i'm i'm just reeling in as as you were sharing and um, i just want to acknowledge that there is a lot of weight that we are carrying in this moment and there is and despite that weight we are choosing to just be ourselves and and such such powerful words sabika when you say that this identity is your groundedness um and i would i would um, yeah second that yeah i um, yeah and i think the discrimination that that um because i know because it's my family at the receiving end the discrimination that the working uh, class muslims feel the most the ones who are vendors the ones out on the streets the ones who are laborers are tenfold yeah. it's just um it is scary uh, one of my uncles used to um uh sell churan on uh, the cycle and and i know for a fact that it's very difficult for him to you know uh go in certain lanes in certain areas without being hounded and thrown out uh now if he so he just stopped doing that and started another work but the fact that it's just it is just so um i don't know how do we how a whole community's will to dream has been snatched away from us is what i feel like there's so much of um uncertainty with respect to our futures uh here that i don't know like lots of plans but what to do with them um because you don't know uh, there are concentration camps ready you don't know uh 
whether you'll be thrown or not uh, because you speak up you don't know if a jail is waiting for you or not so it's just it's just i mean thinking of all uh, our people who are behind bars i mean gulfisha had a such has such a beautiful future but the fact that whatever her dreams were just because she spoke up against the discrimination against cnrc she is behind bars an innocent person is behind bars same with umar a phd a historian like a an incredible mind behind bars khalid bhai has children and a wife such bright children and he's missing out on such important days and behind bars because he spoke up and not just muslims all allies who speak up will suffer the same fate um i mean sadiq kapan and um look what happened to him but also like look what happened to natasha and divahuna the fact that you speak up and you will suffer and look at and i'm i'm i want to talk about our muslim identity but i also want to talk about the dalit and adivasi movement rights movement and bima kore gaon and like so many people behind bars and on a daily basis it is um our our jails are being filled up by innocent people from marginalized communities um uh you know and it's just so essential um to have that kind of cross movement solidarity is now because uh this discrimination has become a reality yeah as i say that some days are hopeless but a lot of days are hopeful too you know i have a poem and i think i read it in everywhere i read everywhere and i say it everywhere it is basically in our ribs we are carrying two plants one is that of hope and the other of hopelessness sometimes we water one and sometimes the other uh that's that's what it is yeah and like you know none of us are free until all of us are so totally and there is so much of hope i mean in 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 a time when there we thought that cnrc will be implemented and i mean it will be but um uh, there were so many people the the ummeed ke abshar log that were right there on the streets telling you that we are here to fight this out so yeah these are the damdar log who are always there out on the streets to speak up so there is hope zulm ki tehni kabhi phalti nahi nao kaagaz ki kabhi chalti nahi let's talk about streets sabika because um i am i'm really keen and uh i have been following your work and sare reh guzar was something that you have started specifically because streets are such a space for all of us we walk them we we stop by them we wait for other people by them uh the only way to get from one place to the other is to be on a street um and you have said something so you've you've written a lot of beautiful things you've shared a lot of powerful things but one thing that always you know stands is you know you've said that how the streets are the reflection of us you know can you share a bit more about that and yeah i feel the streets reflect the marginalities of our society um if you look at the street the way every person walks and occupies space on that street is so reflecting of how um systems of oppression work how there are multiple identities that are completely invisibilized i mean you talk about people's experiences on the street talk about how um a rich person with like a fancy car uh gets to occupy a street how a person who is um uh 
um, a laborer occupies a street, how a queer body occupies a street, how a how a woman occupies a street, how a Dalit woman occupies a street, how a Muslim woman in a hijab occupies a street, and and what they face, how they have to constrict themselves, restrict themselves, or how do they have to walk uh, fully? The kind of um, comments that they face on the street, the, even the accessibility of the streets. There are streets across the world that are not accessible um, um, and uh, streets across the world that do not that are constructed because they lie in rich neighborhoods and streets across the world that are still muddy and difficult to walk on because they lie in different neighborhoods so some streets are considered safe whereas others are not because certain communities live on those streets or dwell on those streets so it's a it's um, uh, how streets uh, have benches and how streets are footpaths but they are designed in a way that there are spikes now so that um, houseless people are not able to sleep over there itself. Migrant laborers do not get space to rest their head. Um, how they are, you know, removed from those streets because we, quote-unquote, don't like them uh, to be there and, and, and how street is seen as a space of beautification, you know, all of those things. And, and what happened was when I was... Um, uh, there was a time when um, I was in Delhi and mob lynchings were just every like uh, it it was something that i was hearing and listening that people from our community are being killed for what they ate or for like an unidentified meat in their freezer and then it just and they're being killed and lynched and people are just bystanders and no one's doing anything and then i'm like if they can kill without permission like if they can go and kill on the streets they can kill us on the streets i am going to go back on the same streets where they are spilling hatred where they are killing innocents go back on the same streets and attempt to um, talk about justice and attempt to bring to light how these streets are ours how dare you how dare you make it difficult for us to walk how dare you make it um make it a graveyard for us how dare you kill us while we are there and and so many dalits and muslims across the country being lynched day in and day out and actually poetry is the only weapon that i had and so i'm like armed with poems armed by my verses i'm going to be on the streets in market spaces and i am going to ask everyone to stand up for justice because it is an audience that keeps shifting all kinds of people come on the streets and it keeps shifting and i can reach as many people as i can and even if one person is able to change their mind i'd be more than happy you know and uh, um, it is just it is if i mean all the, we do not have any channel of um broadcasting what is happening to us or asking for solidarity everything is stayed on everything is lap dog everywhere we are being villainized so what is the way that i reach out to so many people whatsapp social media is taken over tv is taken over radio is taken over hoardings are taken over how do i reach out to people and the only way is just to stand on the streets and just shout out to people maybe someone will listen it's also um yeah maybe something i don't i don't like people always say the the kind of poetry that i, I used to write ghazals i did study urdu i used to write ghazals and whatnot and then i realized no i i want to write poetry for the street my poems are not meant to be put in big whatever libraries with like cobwebbed libraries in old dusty 
almirahs and used to um, teach people or whatever taught in literature classes i'm not worth it i'm not worthy my verses are not worthy the only thing that i want is my poems to become slogans for social justice on the streets you call them poems you don't call them poems i don't care they are going to be on the streets and i am going to uh, speak up against discrimination i'm done talking about someone's bal like ghatai and someone's muskurahat like whatever and making things on the campus can go somewhere else whereas this is the time for all of our pens to serve the cause of justice and there's all like there is no two ways about it there is there shouldn't be two ways about it. i also want to write about how the moon shines and how the velvety grass feels under my feet and all of those things but i must write poems and i don't see uh, the poems that i read on the streets as mine i don't i don't own them they are collective they they've 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 i have been able to put together these verses because of the knowledge that i've gained from women including the women of jain bagh the women that come before me and and uh, uh, i have taken and derived words from them from their experiences and then i have co this then then i have created this piece or whatever it is to be said out so it is uh, my i want to write about different things but the only thing that i must write about is injustice uh so that because we need to archive what is happening to us as we've seen no one is archiving you look at palestine no one is archiving what philistine is going through and the people of us are going through it is their own people who are documenting their own genocide and so people across the world whenever they are marginalized they are the only ones who have to bear the burden of archiving what happens to them and so i see my poems as uh adnasa like with a lot of humility in some form or the other archiving what is happening um to us to our community and also as a question to the society to the people around us who are bystanders it's 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 archiving it's questioning it's resistance because it's loud and clear and out there it is also a space of dreaming of an alternate future uh it is also very affirmative talking about what the future holds for us how we are it's it's also like celebrating the power that we have so what better spaces to bring all of this together than the streets however i kept performing kept performing and met with different kinds of responses and you know like how i never took permission to perform on the streets it was always you know um when they are not taking permissions for hate why do i need to take permissions for love and to cry for justice i would just go there on the streets so there have been like policemen who have sat and listened there have been policemen who have asked me to leave there have been times when um uh there are people who have questioned me who is giving you the money who pays you and and you are spreading propaganda and some hate hold at me uh i was afraid that someone will just come and slap me because people you know how people have become nowadays they've just um uh, the the crowd just if one person will slap me 10 more will you know come forward to do the same um but uh, um uh but i've also met with a lot of love and kindness and people coming to me and saying that oh we we do understand what the community is going through we are with you and like the sense of solidarity and has also come through in these spaces and and all the longest time i continued until covid hit after covid i uh we did like this project of 
writing on the streets, writing poetry on the streets. So we have, I got, we got a CSBR grant to work in Lucknow with Muslim women. And we made this beautiful mural in collaboration with Fearless, Ali Raguzar and Fearless. Made a poetry mural where we were, had like our conversations with Muslim women talking about their assertion and their identity. It's called Jo Main Chahun, Jisko Chahun, Jaisi Chahun. And uh, it is about Muslim women's desires and their um, uh, dreams, their political dreams, dreams of financial independence and all of that, and assertion and all of those things and we wrote we collected whatever they wrote and they co-wrote a poem and that poem was written in Urdu script on the streets of Lucknow where everyone wants to delete and erase Urdu and we have two towering images of Muslim women um, on the streets so I started writing poems on the walls if I cannot be present at least they stay for a longer time but um, increasingly uh, because of my work also um, although protests still remain spaces where I do perform but uh, and speak up and write uh, share my poems but since the past two years I have um, in the past one one two years I have not uh, been on the streets for a long time um, I have in different capacities like not in India maybe in different other countries on the streets and recited poetry but not in India over the past one one and a half years um, but it has to come back uh, in some way there are multiple reasons I uh, I work in human rights, so my work is also so emotionally draining and it has taken up a lot of space um, personally and and I also do multiple other things of organizing and community building. So that is why I've found it difficult uh, to come back on the streets, but um, it is, I am going to begin that again because uh, I derive a lot of power from that and also because so many younger people have reached out that they want to do the same. This is something that I used to also do called Kahani Ki Dukaan, where I would sit with books on the side of the road and people could come and just ask me to tell them a story and I would do that. I discontinued that as well. Uh, you know, all these um, need to start, need to start it, restart it again and actually make something out of it again. Um, and I have some new things planned, uh, including public exhibitions of poems. Um, uh, on the Muslim women that I grew up with and how they feel in the current scenario um, and what they have achieved, what their dreams are. So we are um, in the midst of doing that and inshallah it will be out soon. You know, it, it, when you said that uh, you, you've discontinued some things, what the word that came to my mind was, I don't think so you have because the moment you offer it to the world, it gets continued in some other way or shape or form, you know. Mm. Um, and someone else picks up a bit of the rope that you just, you know, let out and, and create something out of it. So it becomes a braid of its own. And the similar thing is when we were mentioning about Shaheen Bab, that from that movement, from that, from that just collective, so many things have started in ways that we could not have imagined. And... And that's, that's, that's how I define hope. That's how I define continuity um, in these spaces. Yeah, totally. I mean, they thought that um, uh, we will remain silent or it will end, but they don't realize that Muslims are uh, journalists, writers, authors, poets, doctors, um, uh, you know, podcasters and, you know, artists. So we are not stopping. We will come out and do things that they've never imagined and it will keep it will continue. Yeah. Um, 
And it takes me back to one of your um, interviews. And I really found that that line so uh, beautiful. And I'm using beautiful a lot of times, but that is okay. That you are a huge believer of calling people in rather than calling them out. And you've mentioned how you had fears and anxieties of being on the street, knowing that some people will come and express solidarity, but there's a fear that someone might actually be aggressive. How do you continue living with that um, idea of calling people in, knowing that as you call them in, there are people who are who might want to just abuse that call? Um, no, I totally agree. When I say calling people in and not calling people out, it is important to call out. It is important to call out systems of discrimination. Like, it is important to call out Israel and IDF. It is important to call out um, uh, uh, the um, uh, right-wing government in our country. It is important to call out um, the uh, Hindutva ID cell that abuses us day in and day out, call out goons that are making life difficult for people. It is important to call out systems and call out people who are discriminating, who are committing atrocities, who are, um, uh, you know, uh, um, making, you know, are attacking marginalized folks or creating systems. It is important to call out systems that are being created and the people who are creating the systems that are going to marginalize us further. So I'm a huge believer of call out in a lot of ways. Uh, this line I said in context of individuals uh, that I have seen and met individuals across the world who are on the fence. And um, I have uh, had conversations with them that had helped, that has facilitated them to understand and move a little bit towards our side and it is important to build that kind of allyship and solidarity to have those conversations if we stop having conversations see you cannot have I cannot have a conversation probably with someone who is auctioning us online or who only wants to abuse us who's bare end is to you know kill us who really wants this the us to be eliminated from our country all of those things there might be a chance to have a conversation there might not be a chance for us to have a conversation we might have a conversation end up being you know completely violated and you know abused and all of those things and and um it might go well i don't know um uh, depends how you're able to arrive and meet those folks but i see that there is a space to call in individuals um and to have conversations with them to uh, be able to bring them on your side and i have done that um and i know people who have done that and it could be through your poetry it could be through conversations it could be through uh, debates it could be through whichever way uh, that you call people in maybe your kindness calls people in um, maybe um, uh, you know uh, just the way you exist and and the way your character is seen by the world. I, I again I'm bringing something that is very uh, Muslim, but um, just the way our prophet treated uh, people, uh, you know, um, could maybe um, is a way of calling people in. Uh, um, I remember this woman, this this story that my mother used to tell me when I was a little kid to instill kindness was that this woman used to keep throwing trash on the prophet continuously and then 
one day the trash didn't come so the prophet actually inquired about that woman i hope she is well and then actually went and checked in um uh, and all of that so um i'm not saying we can be this kind always we are not prophets we are at the end of the day, human beings and i'm an absolute believer of resisting and articulating and speaking harshly against and calling fascist fascist calling genocide genocide when i say calling in i don't mean wrapping things in like like pretty packages when i say calling in i mean having honest conversations and getting people to see your side and getting them to come towards yourself and creating space of conversation i'll give you an example when we were making uh, whenever i perform or whenever when we painted this mural even when i was a part of your lesson we were painting murals we would have a lot of people on the streets very interested to see what is happening they would come and stand as bystanders by calling in i mean giving time to have those conversations to explain what is happening and to see how their mindset changes over time i have personally seen that um uh i have seen people not ready to send their kids uh to study and having conversations with them instead of just rebuking them or not sending their kids to study having conversations with them has led them to actually agree to send their kids to school instead of uh sending them to you know uh, a job at a young age so um those things and that is why we run campaigns campaigns are a way of advocacy to call people in our poster campaigns our campaigns across social media are a way for people to call in your podcast when people are going to hear stories of muslims what they are doing how they've what they've reached what their views are what their real and true experiences are it's a way to call people in right you are calling them in to listen you are calling them in to sit with you to see your experiences and honestly there are wild people who will not but there are people who will and there are people we you and i wouldn't be doing what we are doing if we didn't believe that this is having some impact that it is changing people's mind that it is engaged like people are engaging with this and and i have seen people change their views um um and i so that is why i absolutely believe in calling people in you know um uh, and at the same time calling out systems and calling out um discrimination and calling a spade a spade so um, uh, yeah it is it is a whole package it's 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 it has to be done in combination thank you savita that is um, I, i think that kind of sums up just the work that we put in is is coming from a place that we are the ones who are also listening in we are constantly keeping our eyes and ears open we are witnessing we are um we are aware and and we trust that when we are creating anything that we are creating art or poetry there are minds and hearts that are listening and that's the shift that no kind of propaganda can can achieve ever yeah yeah truly truly i have i have two more questions and i think you've kind of suggested so succinctly and also just with so much um clarity summed up a lot of questions that you know we had discussed earlier um but didn't get a chance to ask um how do you define love in the world in the country that we are from um and a time where either it becomes 
it's questioned as love jihad if there is a kind of love uh, that if interfaith couples or queer love is not given the nod by the highest courts of the country and yet people are are people choose to love so what is your definition of love it's probably not the right time to ask me this question but um i feel um actually love is what keeps us going um it is hope and love the two weapons that uh, that make us fight for justice that make revolutions possible that make um our voices louder and uh, love is something that um how do i say it is the essential uh, portion for our being and um it is not just like um i mean i completely um believe that across histories love uh, has been banned love has been uh, tried to be put into you know khakas and molds and people have said oh you can love but only you can only love uh, this 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 you can love only and and then but people have continued to love it it sure gives you so much power to go against state it gives you enough power to uh, you know uproot thrones it gives you enough power to be okay um uh to to be okay to live in exile just to love people are behind bars and writing love letters still because that love keeps them going you know and i'm not just i'm not just romantic love i mean all kinds of love even friendship the kind of like i always say the kind of allyship and solidarity are the burden on us is to fight our battles but it will become easier if we have love from our fellow country folks if we have that solidarity and that allyship from them that comes out of love and and allyship and solidarity comes from little bit of love even if that little bit of love is there and we have that kind of positive affirmative solidarity and allyship which by the way indian muslims lack in all capacities we do not get allyship we barely have solidarity our friends our fellow citizens very few of them uh, offer us unconditional solidarity everyone is you know and so i'm just saying that that it is love that keeps us going in so many ways and and it has to be love that made fares write letters to Absolutely. alice from behind yeah it has to be love that shah jahan's imprisoned daughter uh, found a partner from the other side of the wall to write letters to it has to be love that made people um uh you know um uh, go divana it it has to be love that made people sacrifice uh, write poetry create art um it is love that makes you kinder uh more tender and despite of people you've loved and despite the fact that they might break your heart they might shatter you in ways but just that love that emotion of love is like a seed in your heart that tells you that you have the capability you have the capability to be kind to let your heart overflow and and um however i wrote a poem sometime back about how for indian muslims right now romantic love is such i don't know can't speak for everyone but for me i find it so um 
um but just before that just a statement of solidarity for everyone who wants to love whoever they want to love and however they want to love absolute solidarity with them like eat up the states for your love i more than like more than absolute solidarity for that like destroy the norms that are being set up by uh, the world there are no um no stops to there's there's no um, you know limit to how much you can love and who you can love so just just love with all tenderness and care and may your love and loved ones always speak up for social justice um remember your own marginalization and speak up for others in every capacity possible um i however feel that how how can i i've been going through this and it is a it has been a conversation in my head for a long time i find it very difficult to love right now romantically love of friends family exists but i find it so difficult and i do have a poem for it as well um how how does romance figure how does love figure how does partnership or marriage and all of those things figure in the context of right now um i have i'm so exhausted i don't feel uh even though my mind and heart and like otherwise my condition basically says that i'm ready for partnership or marriage or whatever but i don't feel like i have the capacity to love um uh, uh romantically like i have love in my heart but to invest in relationship at this moment has become such a uh, for muslims has become such a difficult difficult uh thing at least for me like i'm just uh, it's called uh, my poem is called uh, um main tumhari nahi ho sakti would you like to read it yes i would love to read it and it is just um uh it is a poem that i wrote because um i'm just i was just so uh i've been thinking about this in so many ways and i'm um it, it's called i can't be a lover right now nahi hum abhi tumhare nahi ho sakte nahi hum abhi tumhare nahi ho sakte nahi meri pyari bhuri aankhon wale maashook hum abhi aashiq nahi ban sakte hum kaise tumhare liye pyar bhari ghazalein likhein jab meri siyahi qood se khol rahi hai aur mera qalam sirf azadi likhna chahta hai nahi main bhi tumhari nahi ho sakti kyunki yaachikaon ko likhne mein prem patron se zyada lahu lagta hai because petitions require more blood than love letters nahi main bhi tumhari nahi ho sakti मैं कैसे तुम्हारी उंगलियों में उंगलियां उलझाकर बैठ जाऊं जब अभी शाहीन बाग और घंटा घर की औरतों के हाथों में हाथ डालकर साथ देना है मैं कैसे तुम्हारी हो जाऊं तुम्हारी बाहों की गर्मी को इनकलाब की रातों की ठंड से कैसे बदल दूं नहीं मैं भी तुम्हारी नहीं हो सकती क्योंकि इस बार सिर्फ मेरे दिल और जज्बात नहीं मेरी नागरिकता मेरी कौम मेरी आज़ादी दाव पर लगी है तुम खुद बताओ बदन पे लाठी के निशान नील पड़े पाओ रज्जा की आंखें खाली पेट के साथ मैं तुमसे कैसे इश्क कर पाऊंगी मैं कैसे तुम्हारी हो पाऊंगी नहीं मैं अभी तुम्हारी नहीं हो सकती ना ही तुम्हारे हिज में रो सकती हूँ ना तुम्हारी याद बनाऊंगी क्योंकि शायद हर गम का एक सही वक्त एक सही मौका होता है और आज अभी मुझे आंसू बहा नहीं अपनी मौत पर अपने वजूद की मौत पर नहीं मेरी प्यारी भूरी आंखों वाले आशिक मैं अभी तुम्हारी नहीं हो सकती नहीं
Wow. Um, it's it's surreal that I am. I was listening to it and just thinking that you've aptly captured everything. The जो मोहब्बत और जो जज्बा मोहब्बत का होता है वो जज्बा जब किसी और चीज़ की तरफ ज़्यादा हमें चाहिए लाइक इन दैट केस वी विश वी हैड टू हार्ट्स यू नो लाइक द टू लंग्स की जगह वो एक पेड़ होपलेस वाला एक पेड़ होपफुल आई विश मोहब्बत के लिए भी दो दिल होते बट <laughs> uh, अभी तो बस मोहब्बत का एक कसूर है कि अपने कि हमें अपने मुल्क से नहीं मिल रही है थैंक यू हाथों में हाथ डाल के आई वॉन्ट टू लाइक यू नो सेट विद यू एंड same i think that's what we have and i really treasure the fact that we've been able to make such friendships and and solidarities um for sure during this that i'm i will cherish throughout throughout my life and the communities that we've been able to build together um where we know that uh we will definitely get support solidarity when we were auctioned online we knew there's a group of women where we could text who were also auctioned online we do have a support uh, for each other with each other in the same way till today i feel that uh but we have to prepare ourselves in so many ways i i always say that we need to have enough money in our bank accounts for bail bond for two people at least uh so this this preparation for ourselves is something that jawani barbad ho gayi yaar aise <laughs> जवान दोनों कोई कहता है तुम्हारे डार्क सर्कल्स क्यों हैं हम कहते हालात हाजरा की वजह से हारिटीज we are a relentless force and the world should be aware we will eat up discriminate the discriminatory systems and and the state in uh, ways that they would not know they've not seen it coming through our poems our slogans our our um, our ideas our love our our politics all of it um and and move towards a more just and equitable and more inclusive uh, system and space because the fight doesn't end there absolutely it goes it is there are multiple battles that need to be fought thank you it's been such an honor and and i can't wait to to meet you in person inshallah soon If you enjoyed listening to this episode please review and or give us five stars on Apple Podcasts Spotify or wherever you listen to them You can also listen to other MBM episodes with Annie Zaidi Sabah Khan Nazmi Rizvi among others 
who bring a diverse understanding of being an Indian, a Muslim, and everything in between. I'm Maryam Hedal. Thank you for listening to Mebhi Muslim. I'll be back in the new year with new episodes. Until then, take care. Lots of love and gratitude.